all the best music, sports, and podcasts right now on FAULradio.com. Hello and welcome to You Press Play Sports. I am your moderator for today's podcast, sports editor for the University Press, Maddox Greenberg. Alongside me, our editor-at-large, Cameron Priester. How are we doing? And staff writer, J.D. Del Castillo. Good afternoon. We got a lot to cover for today's podcast. Let's dive right into it. NFL Week 9 just ended last night between the Chargers and the Jets. What game most stood out to you? If we're talking about stood out, definitely Tampa Bay versus the Houston Texans. My goodness, what a performance by rookie C.J. Stroud. I used to have him on fantasy, and then I dropped him for Gardner Minshew. Um, He gave me 41 points this week. Yeah, yeah, you had him. Good for you, because I started Justin Herbert and um, he had a whopping seven points. Oh, um, my God. But, yeah, I mean, what a game. I feel really bad for Baker Mayfield because I feel like his performance definitely got outshadowed, obviously because they lost, so why would we talk about the team that lost? But, I mean, he had the game-winning drive for the team, and, and Tampa Bay defense just couldn't deliver, which I think is just credit to C.J. Stroud and, and the uh, the coaching staff over there to kind of put a rookie quarterback in a offensive system and put him in a situation to kind of succeed. Five touchdowns over, like, 400. 50 yards, breaking records. I mean, that was a primetime game for sure, so that, that one was definitely the, the number one on my list. Yeah, that's good. Mine that stood out most to me was definitely Baltimore-Seattle. Not only did, like, Lamar on the flock beat the Seahawks who entered the matchup. Destroyed. Kind of, it, was, it, was destroyed a, it was a murder because of all the Ravens, yeah. And that was a Seahawks team that came into the matchup leading the NFC West, and they just dominated the Seahawks in what I would say is probably, like, the most complete team performance of anybody we've seen all season. Offense, defense, special teams. They just look great and were, like, firing on cylinders at, like, every phase of the game. I don't really need to elaborate much about, like, the offense. You know, 37 points speaks for itself, but I think it was, like, their defense that really stood out. Going into the matchup, I want to say it was 24 Seattle was averaging, and holding them to three is a lot different than that. And just a couple of, like, stats that were, like, kind of mind-blowing to me. Seattle had 151 yards, and 85 of those came on two plays. And then the offense had a grand total of six first downs the entire game and we're one of 13 on fourth down that's not good if you're if you're Seattle is that is that more Seahawks off uh, the Seahawks offense kind of just like not being good these past couple weeks or are, we just cra- are, yeah, are we just I think it's a little bit of both defense? I think a li- little bits of both but I'm gonna defer to you know that Baltimore just played that good and their defense is that good because you know like Geno Smith's no bum like in the like the Seattle Seattle's yeah, no definitely. bums so to hold them and to, they, did, they did the same thing to Detroit and that's that's what I think sticks out the most to me is the fact that it's two dominant performances against contenders because you know Seattle and Detroit are both teams that are like kind of thrown around in that like NFC contender conversation and they dominated both of those so yeah for Baltimore they're looking really good they have the best point differential in the league and they're tied with Kansas City for best record in the AFC so right now after that they're especially the team to beat I think for me Uh, to me a game that stood out to me one I didn't watch but has been going around a lot was at least for one organization news around this one organization. Yeah. The Raiders taking out the Giants at home 30-6. to six. The Giant, the Raiders have a new head coach who used to win, who won the Super Bowl as a linebacker with the Giants uh, back in the day. And that was really intriguing because of how he knew the coach was to the team. Josh McDaniels, they fired him. And then came Antonio Pierce, who's now the right. interim head coach. Right. And he already, the team loves him. I mean, like after the game, they were celebrating like they won like That's, the Super Bowl, which was I'm glad, really I'm glad you brought that up because I think it is hilarious. They won the Super Bowl, guys. That's yeah. like, you, like That's finally they have some good vibes around they the Raiders. Tommy DeVito. That's hilarious. Like, like you're, the, you're lighting up the cigars like, in the locker room. They're being like, Tommy DeVito. That's I mean, hilarious. It looks I'm like sorry. Devontae Adams is a little bit like seemed a little bit happy, uh, especially after that. It could have been. I mean, do you think it could have been a Josh McDaniels issue. It 100 percent was. It 100 percent was. Um, if they, you if you heard the story about how he went out. Oh yeah, he was like, um, don't you dare talk about like the Patriots well, like that. In interest of time, I'll keep it short. The Raiders had a team meeting on. Wednesday and players aired a bunch of grievances mostly from what I'm reading mostly a- aimed at McDaniels and Antonio Pierce who was an assistant he was uh, also like the linebackers up, coach at the time yes he stood up and spoke for McDaniels and I got you I got you and I want to say he, he he brought up he brought up the Patriots and like the Giants in, like in context to their own season a struggling Patriots season he brought that up in context not dunking on him or whatever and McDaniels didn't take lightly to that and apparently told him don't you 
you talk about the Patriots like that. Players sided with Pierce. McDaniels, McDaniels is gone. Pierce is now the coach. And they 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 look decent. They won a game. And they're smoking cigars in the locker room. Like, the vibes are good. That quote yeah. was awful. I read yeah. on Twitter. I was like, my God. Because they were talking fake. about like, when the Patriots were 16 0, the Giants came in. I thought it was a deep fake effort. I thought it was fake. Like, you know, like how the, there's all those, like, meme accounts now mm-hmm. of, like, posting fake news. I literally could not believe that that was accredited. But source. when you think about, like, McDaniels, like, he is a Patriots guy mm-hmm. through and through. Like, he's Belichick's son, dang near. Yeah. Like, the fiasco with him going to ending up at Denver just to not take it and end up back in New England. Like, he's a Patriots guy through and through. When you, I could see, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, good, good for the Raiders. Good culture change. Their season's over, mm-hmm. regardless. I, I had mean, a conversation. They're four, they're I, four and five now. They're going against the Jets. Their so. season's over. Their season's over. But I, I, I someone made a, a valid point when my friends were having the conversation. It's like when, when an interim coach steps up, I swear they're like undefeated in that first game. Last year it was a uh, Jeff Saturday. Oh yeah, no, he stepped is. in with the Colts. So it's like I don't. It's just like the script is for yeah. interim coaches having to step up. I don't up have an exact stat like in front of me, but I'd be willing to bet a lot of money that interim coaches have like a winning record in like their first yeah, game. I believe it. I mm-hmm. put a good especially because a lot of players have a, their faith in this. I would say a lot of the times it's situations like this. Like a couple years ago, when I'm forgetting his name, right up before the playoffs, he kind of stepped into that role, and they that wild last week of the season where like I'm trying to remember the circumstances where like the, char- the Raiders had to either tie or just not lose and they're in and they're oh, oh, to- Rick, oh Rick but, but I forgot well, you, re- you remember what I'm talking about but it was with the Raiders and it was the same oh, sort against of situation. the Chargers exactly. last year if, they, if the two teams would have tied that game they both they would have made the got playoffs in. Yes, exactly. and the coach made a, a decision to like call a timeout to like pretty much like Brandon Staley had said post game like he was willing to just run out the clock but then the interim head coach that we, we can't remember we, we are terrible descriptors here. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> if you know ball, you know what we're talking about. Yeah. And the Raiders coach, he kind of stepped in in that same kind of circumstance, and they really rallied around and him. And they got so rid of him. Eventually, yeah. yeah. That's, that's Raiders so. for you. But what about a weird week. It was just a really weird week of football. Like, oh, next remember. week's not going to be fun. <laughs> the schedule the slate, doesn't the look slate good. is ugly, but this, I f- it felt like the Twilight Zone watching yeah. these games. It was just a lot of ugly football this week. Before mm-hmm. we get off of this week, though, we want to get into Dallas-Philly or yeah, Miami, yeah. Kansas City. Okay, well, let's... We could, Those are two really big games. So I think we should get into them. Just um, a little as bit. far as Dolphins Chiefs, as as the designated Dolphins fan here, <laughs> I'm honestly I, I love Mike McDaniel, the head coach of the Dolphins. I think he's done wonders for the offense. But what I was really annoyed with this past game is all the motions that happen in the offense. It's like we're, we're running two minute drill, and every single offensive play that they run involves a motion and it's taken just seconds off of the clock. Um, just a really ugly game. I think the whole narrative about the Dolphins not beating good teams is true but I mean to give the Dolphins a little bit of slack the three losses were the two teams in the Super Bowl which were away because the Chiefs game is technically away they yeah. literally traveled to a whole different continent mm-hmm. to play that game but also and like the schedule lost. margin like does say like at the Chiefs so. right. yeah right right and then the other loss to the Bills I mean pretty much nobody wins in Buffalo so I mean obviously you would like to win those games the narrative isn't going to change that they haven't beaten a team with a winning record and yeah they, they're going to have to get one of those staple wins eventually because towards the end of the season those last three games it's like versus Cowboys at Ravens versus Buffalo. You got to steal one of those wins. Yeah. So I'm at of the opinion that the Dolphins will make the playoffs for sure and for they, sure. they could possibly win the division. But if they don't win the division and they have to do a road playoff game, then it's it's another wild card exit for sure. Mm-hmm. Allow me to take the other side of that. You mentioned like that they're three losses. They're t- to really good teams, but my way of looking at that is that every time they get, they go against a contender, agreed. Like this loss in Germany makes nine straight losses. If we're not even talking contenders. Loss in Germany makes nine straight losses to teams with a winning record. Like at the time that they At the time, them. right. Fair. At the time. Because the Chargers that, are technically 500 now. True. <laughs> that dates back to the first month of last season when McDaniel got there. So, but last year you had that excuse, you know, two is hurt multiple times. Now you don't. And they, at the moment, they appear to be like feasting on bums almost. Like if you look at their schedule, they beat the Chargers who, like you just brought up, they may be turning a corner, but nowhere near a contender if you ask anybody. They beat New England twice. Bad. They beat Denver, bad. They beat the New York Giants, bad. And they beat the Panthers, very, very bad. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, but anytime, every time they're going against Super Bowl contenders, Buffalo, Philadelphia, Kansas City, they're fold. They're kind of folding. So that that's mine. That like, yes, like you're losing to the the best of the best, but you're losing. Yeah. So I mean, until yeah, until they kind of prove themselves in that you know sphere of contenders, I think they're like firmly in like a, a second tier team. Yeah. I mean, the way I've been putting it is like the good teams beat the bad teams, but right. the great teams beat the good teams. And we 
haven't beaten a good team yet. So you know they'll they'll make the playoffs beating right. these these bad teams. But yeah, I mean, don't, no argument. For and you're right, they they will have the opportunity because that last stretch of games, I, lots of good teams: Dallas, Baltimore, and Buffalo. Three weeks in a row. The Jets um, are looking kind of tough too. That defense is no joke. And so. if they had anybody else playing quarterback, yeah, I mean, it's like this morning where Troy Aikman was saying how like the Jets are a bad offense as a as a good defense. They're a bad team that has a good defense. Good's not even the right word. Like yeah. Justin Herbert was getting smothered at points. Like that it pass was like rush five sacks. is actually insane. And like the secondary too. He had nobody to pass to. Nobody's getting separation. The court, like the front set or the the line for the the Chargers were swamped. The defense or the receivers had defenders on their backs all game. If they just had anybody else at quarterback, dang near Tony DeVito. Like <laughs> ah, okay, okay. Oh, let's not let's not get crazy. But looking forward to or actually before we do that, do we want to get into Dallas Philly real quick? Just real quick. Any, any thoughts, Maddox? Catch that game. I did see that. I did see the catch that I forgot his name for the Cowboys. Shoemaker, are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, he made line? like the catch like right at the end zone, but it was like su- super yeah. close. His name was right at the like zero yard line before like. And his- I think I think that play just like perfectly encapsulates not only that the, the game, Cowboys, but just the like- Cowboys. People made fun they of them. Were- they did it right, but right when you get to the line, right when you're there, right in like when the moment to close, you fold. Like and people made fun. It's like Dak. Pre- the refs gave Dak Prescott 80 yards, and he still kind of like finished game over because it started off with like a pass interference. They were at like their own like 18. There was like a pass interference. It was around like the 40, 50 yard line. The ball moved there. Then there was like I think like a false start or something else, and right. they moved again. And it's like the refs kind of handed you like that opportunity in a way, and like he didn't. The team didn't take advantage of it. I mean, it's just same old story. They they did what they had to be right there until the end, and then when the moment comes, you can't execute. You could point to like multiple plays, like you said, the catch by Shoemaker that, you know, ended up short, the failed two-point. You know, both missed opportunities that if they capitalized, we're talking about a different outcome. They just can't close ever. And, you know, something interesting to me that I saw, this is a quote from Micah Parsons, quote, I feel like we have even more confidence now. I feel like everybody had us out and everyone was praising this Eagles team. Obviously, we gave them their best fit, end quote. Moral victory. That's what I'm saying. Like, still lost, dude. I think the Cowboys, with their history of coming up short every year, despite the expectations should not be basking in, you know, like, moral victories. And I just think that's a pretty optimistic quote. But I'm going to take, like, the opposite side and say this loss makes me less mm-hmm. optimistic about the Cowboys. Because he's right. Allow me. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. They, play, they played well. They played really pretty good, matter of fact. And it still wasn't enough. Yeah, that, I, I get what you're saying. They it's pretty not, much have to play damn near perfect. It's not like we're, we're usually, when we're talking in this, like, a Cowboys loss, it's some sort of, like, Dak disaster class. But he was 29 for 44, 374 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. No, he had, he, took a five sacks. he had a good game. He had a good game. My thing is, and it, with and this it game, still wasn't enough. Yeah, yeah. But here's my thing: like to, to, to kind of like less bash on the Cowboys, and I guess boo. Right? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. As a Giants supporter, boo. But um, the, I mean, they're America's pretty, team. America does not like the Cowboys. Yeah. They're America's team. America's team is the Chiefs now. If we're going to be honest. <laughs> Go ahead, but, um, Patriots. Uh, the, yeah, the, but the Eagles. Um, I mean, they're just scraping wins still. Like they, they they're, are. If, uh, towards the end of that game, like I was watching it and. They gave the Cowboys multiple opportunities to win that game, and I feel like they do that every single game that they've been playing is just giving the other team opportunities to win, and they just haven't. So, I mean, Eagles are probably still going to make, like, to me, they're the, uh, my NFC champ favorites. They're they're one of the most complete teams by far. I would say the Niners are right there behind them, but a little concerned with their quarterback situation. So, I mean, yeah, we keep trying to bring up that they're going to, you know, they keep giving teams the opportunity to win. They're throwing games, but, I mean, they have yet to lose. Their one loss was against the Jets, and even then, like, if they would have just played better football, they could have won that game, and they could be undefeated right See, now. See, that's something, that's a, a, a something I'd agree with, like, when you're saying about optimism, like, that the Eagles, they're playing bad, but still can find a way. Meanwhile, the Cowboys, like, the Cowboys are the opposite. They, they, like, again, when they, they met up with uh, San Francisco earlier, and didn't even show up. Now, they finally get another shot at a contender, on the road, too, and, like, everybody knows football, knows about Lincoln Financial Field. Mm-hmm. Against a divisional rival, not right. the Both that's, teams hate each other. And they, f- they, they showed up, they did what they they were what they were up at halftime 17 14. I mean they did bring up a stat that like this they, entire season I know they season, were up they, at halftime yeah this entire season like the Cowboys whenever they were up like against their t- against the opponent they like won that game 
they were up. Which they were like up, a good record, right? And they're up. They were up at halftime. Seventeen fourteen, yeah. They were. It's not like they just disappeared in the beginning and had to like mount a comeback. They did what they had to do in the beginning. They were still there at the end and end up futile one once more. Like I, I don't see the optimism if, if you know I'm the Cowboys. But right, we could gonna, get into next week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into next week. What game excites you the most uh, for next week? Yeah. So I know we were actually saying like at first glance this week doesn't really look too appealing, but there's actually a, based off you know we're all journalism majors mm-hmm. here so you know we can create a narrative out of anything right. there's a lot of good narratives coming into this week i'm going to take a look at 49ers jaguars um two two teams that are, are hoping to be contenders in both of their respective conferences jaguars are off to like their best start since what's the coach doug peterson has been there yeah. trevor lawrence has kind of you know stepped it up since the beginning of the season and 49ers coming off a of bye um three game losing streak pretty uh they're, they're definitely going to need a bounce back if they have four losses in five weeks some real conversations are going to be had to have uh, be had to have about the uh, 49ers and you know their their Super Bowl contentions because I feel like people were just ready to give them the trophy based off football they were playing the first four weeks but you're not going to win the Super Bowl in the first four weeks it's about what you're doing in January and February and so that's going to be a big game I can't believe that's at one o'clock and we have and to they're sit- both we- come off a bye week as well which is they're, oh they're yeah, yeah 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 good point they're both coming off a bye so that's going to be some great coaching Kyle Shanahan coming off a bye I don't know the stat but it's probably like he's probably like got a really good winning record Doug Peterson's also a really great coach it's really sad that the primetime game is Jets versus Raiders and we have Jaguars at 49ers at 1 o'clock. Like, yeah. that's, I don't know what Roger Goodell is doing, but I mean, um, that's why I said at the beginning, like the podcast, like, what would you guys, I wish NFL did was like what NCAA do, where it's like the week prior, here's the games we're going to have next. I wish they did that more yeah. often. Yeah. All right. What about you, Cameron? Oh, you guys know what game I'm looking forward to. Oh, Panthers yeah. Bears. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Panthers Bears on Thursday Night Football. Um, what happens if Tyson Bajan has a better game than Bryce Young? He's not the, he's not the guy. It, but Tyson Bajan's not the guy. I imagine, I mean, Bryce Young has not looked great. So Two pick sixes to the same guy last week. Which, I mean, oh, that doesn't help the CJ uh, Stroud conversation right. either, especially the performance he had last week. Like, yikes. I mean, well, that's kind of, besides, you know, being a Bears homer all the way, that, the quarterback stuff is kind of what really you know, intrigues me about this game because one, I'm interested to see one, if Justin Fields if he even plays. The latest I saw was from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN saying that Justin Fields' practice limited the past two days and will ramp up practice today uh, and it's kind of like to get a gauge on where he'll be for Thursday. So you should hop in at running back. I mean, <laughs> hey, I, Deontay Foreman slander will not be uh, No, it, it's here. more it's more credit to Justin Fields' legs, if anything. But, yeah. but one, if he even plays. That's the thing. But two... If he does play, kind of seeing if this botched Tyson Bajant experiment kind of like lit a fire under him at all. Because even though Tyson, ba- Tyson Bajant, excuse me, looked every bit of an undrafted Division two quarterback, he was three touchdowns versus six interceptions, 52 quarterback rating. I mean, he's serviceable for, for being a serviceable thrown, backup thrown into the situation. Serviceable backup. We'll leave it at that. But even so, even he looked every bit of a Division two undrafted quarterback, people were still trying to make this some sort of quarterback controversy. So seeing if that lit a fire under him and I just want to see him play because Fields play because us fans in the front office they have X amount of games to evaluate whether he's the guy or not before the draft so getting him in as many games as possible especially ones that are winnable it's yeah. finally the Bears have a winnable game and there's also a lot of incentive to beat the Panthers since right. they have their first round pick so they're probably getting a lot of uh, you know like chatter from the front office I mean uh, a perfect world was like, that both teams lose on Thursday that right, would be right. well, obviously or tie, tie. maybe, maybe. I, that would be, yeah, best case scenario. What games are you guys looking forward to? Um, So for mine, I honestly, I could be, I could do what Cameron did, like vote for my team against the Colts in Man, Germany. I don't know that. I, yeah, that's a Germany game. I, yeah. I don't know if want to watch it. I mean, yeah. honestly, to me, one of the games I'm looking, there are a couple of games on the slate that look very interesting. I think the one that most like catches my eye that no one has talked about yet is the Texans Bengals CJ Stroud. Yes. He threw like 400 yards last game. The dude like had, had an interception like a hundred or something like game not hundred or something games but like this season like had three interception like X amount of games like it was like a best start for a rookie and Joe Burrow is also a very good quarterback a lot of good weapons as long as like, they're healthy because Jamar Chase like, Every, was banged up but that'll be a slugfest to see yeah. that'll be like both teams like a couple hundred yards on offense every yeah. game for the for the Bengals right now is pretty much a must win because yeah. the whole NFC they're like on the bottom the division whole, the whole, yeah the whole a, they're the bottom of their division and I mean they were just like in 
the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Like, yeah, two years Yeah, they're 5-3. and three. The Ravens, the Browns are 5-3. Steelers are 5-3. and yeah, three. Ravens I mean, are 7-2. Everyone can make the division. The season ended today. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, every game's a must-win for them. And, you know, the Texans just kind of are just like that that scrappy team that is a hard out to, to get a win against. Um, so, yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. That'll be some great quarterback play for sure. Man, all the 1 o'clock games are really good. Roger Goodell, like, he needs to let the fans schedule the games because yeah. the scheduling is... The four, like, the 4 o'clock game is... Lion, okay, Lions are Chargers. That's going to be a good game. game. Giants, Cowboys. Also, uh, Falcons, Cardinals, Kyler Murray return. I mean, it's not the best teams. I'm excited to see uh, if Kyler Murray looks like his usual self. And then Giants at Cowboys, like, we could just fast-forward through that. Mm-hmm. Commander Seahawks. Actually, it's not too bad. It's it's all right. It's not the best week, but it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. All right, so before we head into talking about the N- our feelings on the NBA in-season, let's give our ha- halfway through the NFL awards. So who is your guys' MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and Rookie of the Year? All right, so do it, let's do it like we all give our one for the award, and then we hop to the next one. Mm-hmm. So, so, so this, I'll say for, like, uh, Rookie of the Year now. Rookie of the Year. Offensive, so offensive Rookie offensive rookie of the Year, I think I think we're all probably going to say the same person. It's C.J. Stroud. Yeah. Just be off that performance alone, like, that wasn't even that's his rookie. That's his Rookie of the Year moment, though. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, that's not even Rookie of the Year, like, game. That's, like, top 10 quarterback game. Yeah. Like, that yeah. is, there's quarterbacks in the league right now who have been in the league for a long time that haven't had a type of perfect game like that. And Tampa Bay defense is, is not anything to, like, you know, ignore. So, yeah, we're all in agreeing, C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. I think, I think well, if we're going to stay on C.J. Stroud real quick, I think what's most impressive is the fact, the supporting cast he has. That group of wide receivers, like, is intre- I mean, interesting is the, I think is a perfect word for they're not because, terrible, but right, not Robert like, Woods is no bum, but, I mean, a Robert Woods wide receiver won in 2023, and he's hurt right now. Yeah, yeah. Basically, got, the wide receiver no- one is Tank Dell, who's a freshman and looks great as so well. Are we they, saying they, they got we, Noah Brown, who also been good. And then, actually, former FAU. Wide receiver one, though? Yeah, and then, for, I don't know, but also former FAU running back Devin Singletary is also yeah, on, on the this fantasy team. team. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's not a, that's not like a supporting cast that makes anybody so, like a wow. And the oh, things he's doing with them is crazy to see. What I just realized is for this Texans-Bengals game is an FAU matchup. You got Devin oh, Singletary wow. on Hendrickson, Texans yeah. and Trey Hendrickson, the defensive end for the is, Bengals. He's a dog. I don't there's, know if you caught that primetime game. I saw that. My God. Um, but I was going to say, like, so are we just pretty much, because I was having this conversation with friends, like, does CJ Stroud just make the supporting cast look better? Or are they actually, like, a pretty good supporting I think, cast? I think, well, I mentioned Tank Dell. I was high on him coming into Nico the Nico Collins, so too. Like, are any clearly, he, they're getting, clearly, they're getting separation, though. I mean, we would have to look at them, but mm-hmm. I, I, I could say it, it's a little bit of both. I don't know. It's just impressive because so many quarterbacks around the league, I think, get cut slack for this same reason. Like, I'm a Bears fan. I can tell you how many people were, you know, cutting Justin Slack, Justin Fields Slack last year because he didn't have a wide receiver one. There's still people that are cutting him slack now when he does have a bona fide wide receiver one in DJ Moore. So the fact that he's doing, CJ Stroud is doing this with dudes who might be like wide receiver three and some wide receiver four on other teams, it's really impressive. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's like more like what type of quarterback it is. I feel like he has made a supporting cast. The type of quarterback you are, yeah, like sure they're able to get separations, which you could put in favor, okay, possibly the supporting cast uh, they could also be in favor of like having credit, but I feel like if you have a guy like CJ Stroud throwing like 400 yards per game, and there, but there's like a couple of touchdowns, of course, like key even even if that. you are even if you are like a fan of their supporting cast, there's just so much more that goes into being like an NFL quarterback than just like my guys are better than yours. And yeah. he's doing all those things at such a high level. Half a season in, it's it's awesome. He's yeah. the, he's he's right now. He that should con- be the conversation about Ohio State quarterbacks being bad put to rest. It's uh, no offense to Justin. <laughs> I mean, full offense to Justin. <laughs> Jones, but. All right, let's go quickly through our defensive player of the years, offensive player of the years, and then MVPs. What about defensive rookie of the year? I, uh, I just put down for rookie of the year. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, well, that would my that would even if it was just all encompassing rookie of the year, that's still, still CJ Stroud. Yeah. It'd still be CJ Stroud for me. But if we're gonna if we're just mention defense, Devon Witherspoon from the Seahawks. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's bona fide. He's so fun to watch play, man. He can hit. Like, it he's so fun to watch. It would have been Christian Gonzalez if the it's Cowboys bad. did it's not. No, I mean, no, it's Christian Gonzalez did look really good. He was he our, like, hurt. top guy on defense. Shot, shot on my fellow Colombian, but... Okay, so... MVP, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to... Let me build a narrative for you guys real quick. Go ahead. Let me build a narrative for you. If Tyree Kill 
the breaks the record for 2,000 yards on the season and the Dolphins win the AFC East division, what's the argument against him? Not only is he breaking a record, but he's also winning the division for his team that has been owned by the Buffalo Bills and the Patriots for the last how long? My MVP. If that if that were to happen, my MVP would have to be Tyreek Hill. I see what you say. I agree that... Um, a lot of, that a would, lot of, that ifs, would make a lot of him, ifs would have had to that happen. W- that would make him probably the most valuable player to his team. And I'm just sick of it being a quarterback award. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. You know, you, the, the MVP is essentially the best quarterback award. Yeah. So, Which makes sense. I, the quarterback I agree gets like, the ball that, every single snap. That Tyreek Hill is arguably like the most valuable player to his team like he he is more imperative to Miami's success than any other player is I, I you could you could make that argument but for my MVP Lamar Jackson same yeah Lamar okay. Jackson he he needs to get he needs to get those numbers up I, I I get that but I think like I brought up talking about that last game they're dominating great teams yeah, both Lions and Seahawks they put them to what like two less than six points two contenders and in both of those games it's not like he was getting dragged by his defense He's playing the best football he has, and that's that's saying a lot because he, he already has an MVP. But answering all like the questions about passer, he I, right now he's my MVP. All right, so offensive player of the years, and then defensive player of the years. Yeah, I mean, I, I just to just to comment on that, I think yeah, Lamar, he's got a tough schedule like uh, ahead of him: Browns, Bengals, Chargers, Rams, Jaguars, 49ers, Dolphins, Steelers. I mean, if he could come out of that with like only two losses, then yeah, I think he could easily be the MVP for offensive player of the year. It would probably be Christian. McCaffrey for me that record that that record he, he's setting right now of having like a touchdown in every game I mean I, that's just kind of absurd to me I think he would get get the award off of that alone you know because that, that that offense has so many different players so it's not like he's putting up crazy numbers but he's definitely the the best offensive player on that that crazy offense so I would have to give it to him I will say just like for you know different scenarios if the MVP doesn't end up going to a quarterback then Tyreek will probably be offensive player of the year so you know like didn't they do like a co offensive player of the year one year or like a co MVP one year. They, not, I think they, not MVP. It was maybe it, maybe it was close something. Players. I mean, I could see them doing that for Christian McCaffrey and Tyreek Hill. But yeah, I'd probably give it to McCaffrey. And then for your defensive player of the year. For defensive player of the year, I mean, realistically, the the I don't know what it's the like if record really goes into it, but I think it would be Max Crosby of the Las Vegas Raiders. He's just putting up. Yeah. He's that you had. I mean, I'm, hey, we know we all know ball then because he has crazy numbers and he passes the eye test. There was a clip yeah. in the Giants game where he got literally triple team and he just has such a nasty spin move where he puts his elbow into the lineman's like armpit area and just like throws them off of him he looks great but if it has to be like based off of like you know you actually have to be a winner hmm i'm not sure maybe like tj watt Mm -hmm. i'll probably give it to tj watt he needs one yeah. All right. So, Cameron, you did say that you're gonna have you have Max Crosby as your defensive player of the year. So, who would you your offensive player of the year be? Offensive player of the year. I guess I gotta be boring too. I I think it's it's Tyreek Hill, especially if I'm going with like Lamar as my MVP through nine games, sixty nine receptions, a thousand seventy six yards, eight touchdowns. He's had more touchdowns than some whole franchises have right now. It's pretty insane. Probably eh, is it the Bears. Nah, the Bears wouldn't be in there. They're not that bad. Like I said, he. I think he's arguably the most valuable player to his team's success than anybody else which is saying a lot you know there's a player on the field that touches the ball every single time you're on offense but hey not to a slander No, no, I'm just saying that, like, it's hard hard to say, like, a wide receiver is, you have to be, how good you have to be for a wide receiver to be, like, you know, the most valuable player on the team. When he has a good game, you have to, like, 4,000 yards, basically. Exactly, and when, like, how much responsibility is thrown onto the quarterback for, like, a wide receiver to be that important to his team's success is crazy. And I think if Tyreek Hill isn't there, a lot of Miami's scheme doesn't work because a lot of their scheme is built around the fact that you know you're going to have two receivers between him and Jalen Waddle every play with at least like a yard of separation so I think a lot of like their scheme they wouldn't even be able to run without him without his presence there without defenses like oh gosh there's Tyreek I have to delve two three guys to him always have to have my eye on him it's just he's so important to that team that's why he's my offense or offensive player of the year all right so I'm gonna go quick with my offensive defense player of the year so for offensive I got uh AJ Brown I feel like he's been doing pretty good um offensively with the Eagles and for defensive player of the year I gotta go with Sauce Gardner that guy has like any time a receiver is on him no Great way last night. yeah, yeah no. my thing with with corners winning defensive player of the year is that when a corner is really 
good. It's just hard to recognize that because they don't get targeted. Right, exactly. Like if you if if people who are voting on the award will look up the stats and see that whenever a receiver is being guarded by um, Sauce Gardner, he's just li- they're literally never throwing to that side of the field. Then yeah, I think he could easily get it. But I mean, we have to kind of like put it in perspective of the voters, and they're probably not recognizing that stuff. But yeah, I think that's a good choice. AJ Brown too, also putting up yeah. insane numbers. Yeah. yeah, I think that's yeah. yeah. I, I think all these guys could honestly win it. All right, so we're going to go quickly with, it, quickly with this. How are you guys feeling right now about the NBA in-season tournament, which debuted last Tuesday? Really good. Really good. I don't know if you guys caught... I didn't catch most of the games because a lot of them were going on at the same time. Yeah. But every game went down to the clutch. I mean, Cavaliers, Pacers. Pacers won by five. Bucks won by... Beat the Knicks by five. Heat beat the Wizards by seven. Warriors beat the Thunder by two. Like, I mean, if you go down the list, every single game was yeah. competitive, which I think is what the NBA wanted to see. And I, I kind of have the theory that uh, teams were, like, resting their players for the NBA yeah. season tournament because those are all, like, really big primetime games. But I'm a fan. I'm not a fan of the prize or the incentive because there's that no... That will change, I feel like. I, yeah, I think it will definitely change. I think, you know, just offering prize money to already millionaire athletes, like, <laughs> yeah. doesn't really make much sense. But, yeah, really big, big fan, and I think it's going to be a hit. Yeah, no, I, I think it was cool. I mean, like, we've only seen, like, the one round, but, you know, that very limited sample size, I think it was really cool. You know, different jerseys, different courts. Yeah, what do you think about the courts? Oh, I'll say, I'll say, I think some of them look really cool. I do. Like the Bulls, they like I the, saw the all Bucks red. Game and that court that was they, cool. I, I would say because that really that wasn't that like far out there. I'm trying to think who is who is the uh, India. Yeah, uh, Indiana. Indiana. That Indiana. one was, it, was so. Was it like the bright blue with the yellow? Shirt? Yeah, that was a headache. that one. I I wasn't watching the game, but when like even like the highlights, I'm like that's not easy to like look at for more than like ten seconds consecutively. Yeah. But I think the Bulls one looks really cool. Like the re- all red with like the dark red stripe and in like the, the middle. Just like the white like. Uh, yeah, white it looked helmet. really really cool. But the one thing that bothers me about the courts is the trophy in the middle. Like, mm-hmm. what are the Clippers one? Like JJ Redick brought this up on the broadcast. What are the Clippers one? Why do they have a trophy in the middle yeah. of their? And like none of them have won this trophy that's in the middle. So the NBA's like they, they're, just, trying, they're reminding the players what they're playing for. Yeah, the I NBA, mean, they're yeah, trying to like make like the courts unique well, to like have different a, feel. It's like paint a stack feel. of cash on the the, the court then because that's what yeah. they're really playing for apparently yeah. but I think it was really cool you know we'll have to see if every round uh, teams are kind of taking it seriously and are, are playing their guys and you know making a point of it to make it competitive that we'll still have to see but after like a single week I think it's cool it at the end of the day it's just something that the league is doing to try to get more eyes on the league and make the regular season more interesting and competitive so I don't think that hurts anyone yeah to me I found it exciting in the beginning when I heard the news broke out they were doing this I was like not gonna be a smart idea but now watching it, I feel like it's really exciting having a lot of like a lot of the top players playing against each other now have a kind of like an incentive to doing that in the middle of the season because before the past like 75 years it was all of us are trying to get to the a good playoff spot have a better shot at making the final thing but now it's like if we don't reach at least we could potentially look on this one thing we have i don't like the new courts and like the uniforms i get like they make the city editions and the courts that kind of match each other it's, also, it's, kind it's of the bad. same i feel like the jerseys are the same thing as a, as the courts like some teams really hit it out of the park but like chicago like a team like chicago their jerseys suck mm-hmm. <laughs> they're terrible like yeah, or, or atlanta was like time was, was like what like a times new roman type like yeah i would jersey. say it's like subjective like i think it's really cool the fact that they're like they did like the jersey and court thing like they're trying something Something new, but you know, yeah, some of some of them really like drop the ball on some of it. But right. while we're on NBA, I would be remiss to ask you, Maddox. Yeah, are you ready to walk back that Wemby take? He is. Uh, <laughs> are you ready? I gotta look up that. I gotta look Remember. This man, Maddox, said that Webinyama was not him. Uh, it, was, it was a hot take. It was a hot it was, take. It was, we were purposely making hot takes, but even when he said that, me and JD were like, Yeah, you know what? His two hot. hot takes was that Jimmy Butler was going to request a trade and Maybe. that Webinyama was not going to be him. Like, hey, hot I and mean, hot, bro. If we're talking about Wemby, though, like, he looks... He is... Oh, my God. The league is in just, trouble, man. Yeah. Like, okay, now I got his stats. So, 19.4 points per game. As he, a rookie? As a rookie. Yeah, as a rookie, I'm trying to see all these. I mean, let me click on his name because the ESPN. I, he's probably averaging at least three blocks a game. Eight point four rebounds per game, almost two assists per game, four point forty six point two percent from the field. That's pretty good for, for a rookie. Blocks, how many blocks one is game he averaging? How many blocks is he averaging per per game? Let me look that up on. I've seen because I've seen these videos of like. 
Uh, 2.6 blocks. And he's playing in 28 minutes, almost 29 minutes per game. He is scoring um, 19.4. But more impressive than any of that is outdueling Kevin Durant in prime time. And I hope... Twice. 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 He beat him twice. Um, It made him look like a little kid, basically. I wouldn't say the first game he necessarily outdueled KD, but that second game, uh, he he definitely got the best of him. Um, Sort of like, he's like... Taking in all that pressure and, you know, still being able to pr- produce results. And I want to say it was, like, Ramona Shelburne of ESPN who brought it up. He's a baby in terms of NBA, um, like, his NBA journey, what have you. And how much he's accelerated from, like, whenever we, he was still playing in France, whenever he was, like, his first name was bursting on, like, that mainstream scene, to now how, how much better he's gotten is insane. So it's like unfathomable to think how good he's going to be in three years whenever he's continually developing his body still because he looks he still does look really yeah. skinny in addition to like getting used to like the playing. experience yeah. the speed because it, it's a different game in the United States than it is in um, it's much like overseas it's much quicker much quicker yeah uh, quicker it's, it's, it's a, just a different game and so he, ha- he hasn't even got his feet wet yet so the league's cooked in a few years yeah, better to, get your championships now yeah to me I was going to say now looking at his stats because I've been like busy a lot of school working working with the uh, like that. press really didn't get a chance to like that boy is like yeah, that didn't get a chance to uh, see the games but looking at like see on like Instagram stuff like that like all like results he's had like recently had 38 points like his career high and like those photos of him like easily swung a ball from Kevin Durant or even guy just already mid-shooting from high arc yeah, he's already getting fingertips on that see the picture of him like shooting over Kevin Durant like Kevin Durant is damn near he like, barely even like seven feet tall and he looks like Spud Webb or like Isaiah Thomas next yeah. to this guy like he's he's for real so I do gotta say I believe you walk, Victor, you walk it back okay. I walk Good. it back I just wanted to yeah. make sure yeah, you know, when he got drafted even when he got drafted even when he got drafted I was like I should probably get a jersey off him but like <laughs> as, as long as you as long as you admit you're wrong yeah, that's, right. that's all I need I do, yeah alright I don't walk, walk out my word like Mad Dog Russo <laughs> <laughs> so all right, now we're going to get into some FAU talk. Tomorrow, as of today, which is Tuesday, tomorrow on Wednesday, FAU men's basketball plays against Loyola Chicago in Chicago at the Barstool Sports Invitational. Finally, FAU fans get to see the team that made it to the Final Four starting their journey heading to Phoenix. So what do you guys think the outcome of the game would be and what do you guys your predictions of their schedule? I'll take it first. First and foremost, it is just fantastic. You know, after sitting through, what's it now, three months of FAU football, I cannot wait for some FAU basketball. Yeah. Especially um, since Cameron did cover, when he was sports editor last semester, he covered the men's basketball team when yeah, they went to the yeah. March match. That was so That was so cool. And getting to, like, you know, be there, uh, get to cover all the games in person. So thank you to everyone who had a part in me being there. But it's just so much fun that FAU basketball is back. And as far as tomorrow, I definitely do predict a win. You know, starting the season off on the road, and it's essentially it's not at Loyola; it's at Wintrust Arena at the yeah. The that's, that's really really it's a it's a it's a it's a away game for them. You know, they're traveling what the four hour plane ride it is to Chicago. They got to drive fifteen minutes. It's a it's a home game for Loyola, but I do think they'll get a win. But now that we're st- we're since we're still in ahead of the season technically, I think as FAU fans, I have no shame admitting I'm a fan. Let's reset our expectations a little because. FAU went on that run last year because they are a very, very, very talented basketball team, but a big part of getting to the Final Four is luck. One, you have to be healthy. Being as healthy as FAU was through five tournament games, when you play so like so much of the roster plays meaningful minutes. One, that's a testament to your strength and conditioning staff and your medical staff, but it's also there's a lot of that luck. And also just to get to the Final Four, everything has to go your way, man. Every call dang near, every shot has to roll your way. So much has to go in your favor. Whenever it, I my call, I think they're going to lose a good bit more games than they did last year. They're not yeah, going to lose absolutely. just three games. Mm-hmm. So when that does happen, don't don't run and say, "Oh, last year was a fluke." Oh, the narratives are going to run wild. They, they are. We sure. know. I'm saying a mid major. There's saying, high expectations. I'm saying FAU fans don't buy into that. That that team was so good, and just because they're not, they, the record doesn't isn't say 35 and three or whatever it was at the end of the year. That they're that they're not for real. They're playing in a much much tougher non-conference schedule. It's night and day to last year's non-conference schedule. And the AAC is 
a significantly tougher conference than the CUSA, as good as the CUSA was. You have, you have to play Memphis twice a year. There, there, you, Wichita State's in there. You have a bunch of really good basketball programs. So it's not going to look like last year. It's not going to be all positive vibes. We're, we're slaying everybody. But that doesn't mean, that doesn't go to say that they can't repeat last year and compete for, you know, a deep tournament run again. But just reset your expectations, I think, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, what, what, what do you think the record would be at the end of the season? They played 32 games in the regular season. I mean, that's hard to call now, but I assume they'll be in a position... I think... I'd 20, say, like, 22 and 8 10, losses. 22 and 10 would be, like, a, a great season. Based I, off yeah, of around eight to, 10, 8 to 10 losses, I think, in a conference like the AAC, and if they are in the non-conference, they're able to get some of those uh, wins against like the more visible opponents. Loyola's one. They got. Um, They're playing Arizona. Arizona. On that's gonna be. That is gonna be probably their toughest non-conference at least of the year. Uh, with Caleb Love coming into Arizona, there's a lot of good feelings about them. But you also have teams like College of Charleston. They were a really, really, really good team last year. Maybe. What seed were they in the tournament? 13, I want to say they made the tournament. They were like one like the other teams that like had like a long like win streak. Like right behind FAU was like them. Yeah, they they were one of they were that second mid major team behind FAU is that was getting talked about. So they have a there. It's just gonna look a lot different. Just don't don't you know pack things up when if they drop a game in their first five. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean I would have to yeah pretty much all great points expecting a win. Not really too familiar with Loyola Chicago's team this year, but I do know that they've gone on some crazy runs. They were in the Final Four in 2018. Yeah, right. So, Sister Jean. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of a lot of good teams on the schedule. I think a a 22 and 10 season would be an absolute win. You know, the whole thing about going undefeated at home like we did last season, that was because we were playing an ACUSA tournament. But, I mean, I expect the team to be a lot better. The, the chemistry is going to be way better. Dusty May has, you know, op- just off of that Final Four run, he's probably made a, a lot of great connections in the basketball world. And, I mean, he's a basketball sicko. Like, he'll yeah. be the first to admit it. There were so many articles coming out after that Final Four game about the way he studies the game of basketball. So I mean, if you guys I'm saw really, the documentary um, they did on him for ESPN, I didn't get you, to I'm not I have not got any cash yet, but I mean... Just um, just the uh, I'm excited to see all the different plays that, that they're going to be running, the different yeah. schemes that Dusty May is going to cook up. I'm really excited to cover a lot of a lot of the games this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, oh, sorry. So, no, yeah, go ahead. And not to backtrack, it's going to be uh, one thing that's different about last year is last year, even when they had they were on that you know win streak and you know going into like bigger name teams like going into Florida for example, they were. So Seven and one when they went up to Gainesville. I want to say last year, but they were the underdog in pretty much they like in a sense in all those games. Not, not necessarily talking about the line, but like all those tournament games. No matter how great they were, the underdog. All of that goes out the window. Even when you're playing Arizona, you know you're the team to beat in that game. You're gonna get everybody's best shot every, every single yep. game. There's yep. no off game. Everybody's gonna want to beat FAU just because we made the final four. We're the, the way we're the team that got talked about. They were the team. They they have a documentary like. Mm-hmm. Everyone's gonna want to knock off FAU, and that's just never. They've never been in a position like that where even when you're going up to Arizona, you're going to a power, at a Power Five team that you're the team to beat. That's a much different situation than they've been in ever. I'm assuming any of these guys on the team. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised by this, looking at the schedule. I'm surprised we have, FAU's not facing FDU because I've been a good game being like Fairlight Dickinson got like Man, they're them like boys do not want there. it. Them boys do not want it. Yeah, no. they got gutted whenever Anderson left for. Iona. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to me, I do think with Loyal Chicago tomorrow night, I do think FAU will win. I do have a score, though. I do think it'll be a close, high-scoring game, much closer than any fans like would anticipate. I do think it'll probably be like 67-65 around that range. And to, end Defense, this, man. and to end this season, I have a little bit more high expectations than you guys. I do have them as 26-6. and six. I do think a couple of games they could get lucky on. Do you think we finished the season ranked still? I do think so. Because I, I think that first First loss we lose to like a power five school. Oh, they're, gonna, oh, they're pushing FAU to oh, twenty two or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah they, they'll be sure. very. They're very harsh to mid major schools. Um, I mean, even but, last year they had the best at the end of the regular season. They had the best record in basketball by a good bit, and they were twenty fifth. Yeah, and just um, listening to watching that documentary and being on the Zoom call with Dusty May the other day, he said that for the fans don't he, well, for the game. He says he does not expect FAU to be in. March, April form and early November. He does not expect them to do it. He does not want the outside noise. In the documentary, he, they have like in the bin all their stuff from Final Four because they really don't want that stuff in their head. Hey, 
hey, we were here, we're good. It's like, no, no, we're back to square one, us against everyone, us against us mentality. And so now we're into now the FAU women's basketball season. Their season start, they actually just played an exhibition game against Barry University. Their first game's against Mercer at 7.30 p.m. on the 9th. I believe that game will be on ESPN Plus. I have to double check the schedule. So how would you guys, what are your guys' expectations for the women's basketball season? They do play 30 games this season. Well, based off of just like the the way they ended the season last year in the CUSA and now having to go to a tougher conference in the AAC, probably similar expectations. I will say one bright spot has been Anaya Hubbard. She's uh, just like... Baller. She's a baller. Conference she's, USA freshman of the baller. year. Baller. And a freshman. I mean, if, if we can keep her for all four years, that would be just such a such a great win for, for women's basketball here at FAU. You know, I, I expect us to, to win games that we shouldn't, and I also expect us to lose games that we should win. But I think you know, keeping kind of the same core, adding some new transfers. It's going to be an exciting season for women's basketball for sure. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I definitely, after the past two seasons, I definitely feel more confident now going into this season than I have the past years. Because, like what JJ just said, they have a really good mix of returning their core, but also bringing in some new faces. Like you said, Anaya Hubbard, but you also have girls like Alexa Zaff. She's been there for as long as I. I want She's a graduate now, but she's been there as long as I've been, you know, covering sports at FAU and a really, really important part. She's good for, you know, 10 points a night and is really involved on both ends of the floor. Someone like Janita Rosenthaler, she's a graduate as well. Someone that for multiple years now has been someone that Jennifer Sullivan, head coach, has really counted on. And, you know, is one of the, like, like JD says, she's like part of that core. But you also, you, and you also have some, some new faces in there to change things up, you know, fresh energy, which they need a little bit. I don't think, let's be frank about it, the past two seasons have been a bit of a disappointment, especially, you know, kind of like the circumstances around both of them. Like last year, 8-1, and one, I wanted. They started off so hot and in non-conference play, and then when they got into their conference schedule, they faded away a little bit. And then, to be frank, there just wasn't much, the season before that, there just wasn't much to be excited about going on. So I think... Now, when you have that, you've had your, your your core, like you said, for a couple years. You saw what their potential is in the beginning of the season last year. I think now is kind of like a prove it year for the roster and for the entire program, for Sullivan herself and the roster. That uh, you've retained your core. You you you've seen what you can do. You've seen your potential. Now it's finally realizing that this season. So seeing what they can do this year is definitely going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. I do believe that again this season. I feel like they will have some success. I think once again conference play, which conference play is much different because now they're yeah. facing several schools twice. Like, these schools... It looks, a lot, it looks very similar to, like, the men's conference schedule, and it's just a lot of really, really, really good teams on there. But I'm just excited to watch Anaya Hubbard mm-hmm. uh, cook, because yeah. she is like that. Heading into recapping FAU's sat, uh, disappointing loss to UAB on the road, 45-42. You guys can't see our faces, but yeah. it's like, picture the most sad puppy on the planet. <laughs> That's, Especially that's the camera awesome. wearing the uh, Chicago Bears. Uh. Man, I, I, I need some good football in my life, man. FAU team's not doing well either. I need oh, some good I'll save it. Save it, <laughs> Mr. Six Rings, please. Man, like, but I, I need some winning football in my life, man. Like, someone come save me. Caleb Williams, Drake May. Yeah, um, so I actually, I did watch a majority of this FAU-UAB game. And, I mean, just, there's just nothing. I just, I don't want to be mean. I really <laughs> don't. I want to be, you you know, objective and have analysis. Be, be, a, um, be a journalist. Be, yeah. yeah, be a journalist and not a fan. Uh, defense just did not show up. I mean, I did, we did say in our preview, or at least I did that, you know, UAB offense was consistently putting up points. But, I mean, we came out flat in the in the first half. We were down 14 to 28, and then we started coming back. And I think that's what really hurts the most is that we had hope, or that the, the football team gave us hope that, uh, you know, a comeback was really about to happen. And they were up, like, before and then, like, the yeah, next yeah, we play, like, wide up. open touchdown for you. Yeah, that, and that's another thing that I, I, I did want to talk about in regards to FAU football, is that I no longer can put it on the players. It, it falls on the coaching at this point, because getting bombed, I don't know if it was three touchdowns that were over the top, but there were at least a handful of plays where the, uh, the defense was getting just absolutely blown in coverage over the top. It's just so simple. Cover three. Put safety 
he's back there, how are we getting hit with the same play over and over and over? Like, I don't know. People thought that Tom Herman was going to come in and be our savior. I just, yeah, I don't I don't really know what's going on over there with FAU football. Bowl eligibility is looking rough. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. Let's start off with some good vibes. Not, yeah, actually, I am victory lapping here. I'm the only one between us three that predicted an FAU loss. What? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Let yeah. me take my victory lap I'm real never quick. predicting an FAU one again. <laughs> How about that? Let me take my victory lap, but when that's over, man, I, we talk about, I feel like we have the same conversation every week about this team, man. You know, UAB was 2-6 and six going into, like, the game for a reason, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. I get the, the one redeeming thing is that Lejante Wester yeah. is... Oh, my God. F- every day, week he moves up to draft board. He's a day two... Yeah, absolutely. Third round pick for sure. He needs to be... If not a second round pick. I would say, I mean, maybe if... I, have a, I, have I feel a, I have like you're right. He'll fall to the, he'll probably fall around like third round, but I think more than that uh, is going to be like GMs and, you know, scouts, whatever, not liking his size. But who cares, man? Yeah. He's a dog. I mean, he's he a dog. Put, he's who a dog. cares? He put over 200 plus receiving yards. 219. touchdowns, both career highs. A day, a game after he put up like a career high 149 yards. I mean, so he did a current high to career high. He every every week I feel like he shows himself up and like we were almost talking about like we were talking about Tyreek Hill. He's almost like that same thing. The offense goes when he goes. When he doesn't go, which is honestly never, he all he's always going, but yeah, he should he, go to the draft after this year. He shouldn't transfer. He shouldn't stay at FAU. He needs to go to the draft. His stock is not going to get any higher. It's such a privilege that, you know, this coaching staff has a player that talented on their team and someone who's been doing this for three years now you know they just can't figure out how to make it turn it into wins but it's hard to it's hard to pin that on uh, the offense when they when they're scoring 42 points but I mean just a loss like this where he's snapping the way he is and you still can't figure out a way to get it done doesn't make me feel better about ECU this week so I don't see a world where I predict the FAU win even with East Carolina struggles what about you guys uh, yeah. I'll be very I should be very quick with my uh, recap for uh, UAB uh, again team was up big team was down big came back up to yep. lead then didn't build a capitalize and what you were saying about the defense Coach Herman did mention how like they're very razor thin on defense so now let's get into uh, ECU, the next game, home game on the 11th. Uh, what do you guys feel about that? How do you guys feel about that game? FAU just doesn't play good at home. It doesn't make any sense, but they just don't play good at home. ECU, looking at their record, I mean, they're they're awful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's no other way to put it. But then again, we said the same thing about UAB. That yeah. UAB was awful. We did. So I'll predict the win, just not because I'm crediting FAU football, but because <laughs> I just don't believe in EC, East Carolina uh, football. Um, I'll predict the win. We'll probably win by the, the skin of our teeth. It's not going to be a pretty one, but we'll be 5-5, five and five and, you know, hopefully bowl eligibility could be a thing. You you know, you know what? You know what? I know this is going to come back to bite me. Let's predict the FAU win. Kodak. Let's do it, baby. Oh, for Kodak. Kodak Black's performing at the tailgates. Like, that's 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 high vibes. So, I think we know what FAU is, but I'm going to take the opposite side of that and say FAU win. Uh, I do believe that FAU against ECU. ECU, not a good record at all, but they were they did give a fight to Tulane, who was right now 20th last week, was 21 in the country. Um, ECU, not good statistics and won the worst scoring offenses rushing offenses passing offenses in the conference with the best scoring the best on defense that ends um, Alex Flynn worst quarterback in the AAC I do predict easy win for FAU at home with Kodak Black in attendance yes sir thank you so much for listening to U Press Play Sports signing off Owl Radio is FAU's student run radio station streaming worldwide on FAUOwlRadio.com we have shows DJ on campus events give away free concert tickets and more make sure to check us out on social media at fau owl radio